back to the Anthony Gordon show. Now, this is going to be very interesting for a, a number of reasons. Firstly, you've got a South African and an Aussie on the same program and the rivalry between our respective sports teams goes back decades. And I should just say uh, to our listeners uh, from the outset that the Aussies, that the Australians have a tremendous inferiority complex. So if you can, my dear guest, Simon Drew, might be overcompensating. He's going to try and embarrass me. Just understand where that's coming from, Simon. Welcome to the Anthony Gordon Show. <laughs> Anthony, I'm really glad to be here. Uh, though I will say from the offset uh, that uh, if you're looking for any sort of sporting knowledge for me or any sort of affiliation with sporting teams, when I was in high school, I was the uh, kind of nerdy music kid who was hiding up the back of the crowd, <laughs> trying to not be seen and called to get in the pool or to get on the field. <laughs> um, you know, sporting has never been my thing. So I'm, I'm not going to be defending Australia here, <laughs> although um, I, I, I don't even know what to say because I, I I can't remember the last time I watched a sporting thing. So that's going to be blasphemy to a lot of Australians. Not a, not, not a problem at all. I will tell you, sport or no sport, I want to just give you um, a shout out uh, for being such a sport. Uh, for our audience edification, we've had one or two false starts. One was for, I think, technology purposes. We, we couldn't get our act together. And the other, we got our timing a little bit. But also, Simon, I really appreciate you being such a sport, hanging in uh, with us. And uh, let me tell you why I'm quite excited uh, to um, to chat with you. So a few years ago, when I decided to launch the Anthony Gordon Show, the premise was as follows. <clears throat> the premise was that I've done a significant amount of public speaking here in America, um, primarily, I would say, college age millennial sort of age cohort. And here's, here's what I found. I think the reason why I, I, you know, I've had some success and, and, you know, I've been asked to speak at, at uh, repeat events, et cetera, is a, I'm sort of the guy who always addresses the white elephant in the room. And I think that the carpets getting a little bit lumpy with what we are pushing under the carpet. And number two, I don't know if it's just because I'm not an American or because I, my late mom was a, a, a therapist and I felt much more comfortable discussing emotions, but I've never had the, you know, I've never had the uh, proclivity to want to create the impression that everything's cool. Everything's stoic. I'm fine. I have no problem saying that I screwed up or, uh, you know, I'm going through a tough time that, Okay. And number three, when you, and I put a lot of humor into the things and, and, and I mean, laugh at myself and at life, when you put those all together, here's what I, what I found, Simon, I found that my observation of the millennial generation, creative, um, out of the box, they've added huge value in many, many ways. However, I believe, and this is from firsthand experience, Again, I can't put a number, but it's in the thousands by now that I've spoken to, uh, tens of thousands, is, is that there's a lot of folks out there uh, that are unhappy. There's a lot of folks out there that are stressed out. There are a lot of folks out there uh, uh, that are trying to endear themselves to other people that are reacting to likes, that are reacting to responses. 
um, and have never really formed their own identity. So when I sort of <clears throat> read a little bit about your background, what resonated a lot and what I respect a lot about your journey is I see a large part of the genesis behind the Practical Stoic podcast and a lot of the things that I see you involved in is the sincere search to really find purpose, meaning, reach your potential and have really the most wholesome uh, and purposeful life. That's, that's my take of you. Is that firstly from, from, from just from the get go is, is my analysis accurate or not? Well, look, I'll, yeah, let me dive in with a few thoughts on that. Sure. I think, I think that you're exactly right in that um, because there's so much, we deal so for subscribes, yep. for followers, you know, yep. the pinnacle of our generation seems to be an influencer, right. whatever the hell that means. <laughs> it's like, you know, if all you do, like, I mean, you know, there are people who do the silliest things, you know, and, and they call themselves an influencer. And it's, it's like, what does that even mean these days? Yep. Um, and, and I, I think that, you know, I've, I've gone down all of those paths. I, one thing that I think when, when I look back at my journey from starting the practical stoic podcast, yep, it's been a journey of constantly realizing that I was the fool, right? So, you know, I start this podcast because I think, great, you know, this philosophy that I'm very interested in seems to be helpful for me in my life. So right. I'd like to share it with others. I say, I'm just going to start a podcast. The best way to learn is to teach. And so yep. you say, yep. I'm going to, I'm going to learn about this philosophy. And as I'm doing that, I'm going to bring people with me. It just happened to be at the right time in the right place where I did manage to get that that good little bunch of followers who are, who are interested in what I was saying. But over time, I've I've realized that you know I'm going on this journey as much as any of they are uh, of of those listeners are, and it's a constant path of falling and realizing that the past two years have been me walking through a desert to find something new about what is within me and, and needs to, to uh, be authentically shared with people. And so, you know, in many ways I'm going on that path, trying to, uh, you know, there, uh, even talking to the, uh, to the fact that we're constantly seeking likes and shares and all these sorts of things, you know, last year I really started listening to myself carefully um, and listening to how I felt listening to what I was drawn to and what I was avoiding as well. And there came a point where I just said, you know what? Like, I don't want to be on social media. I don't want to yeah. be there. It's, it's not, it's not filling my soul with nourishment. It's, it's taking away time. There's a, a there's a kind of, um, yep. you know, coin slot game element to it where, you know, you know, that some of the smartest people in the world are there trying to figure out how can we hook these people into 10 seconds more on our app. Exactly. And I just said, away with it. I'm done. You know, I, I'm going, if I'm going to go on this path, trying to discover who it is that I truly am through philosophy and take people along with me, yeah. it can not be for the likes and the subscribes. It has to be something genuine. Uh, and, and it, I kind of just reconciled myself to that. And so, like I say, I mean, I think we, we need that authenticity to all be able to say, 
whether you have a podcast or whether you're listening to one, we're all going on this journey of trying to figure out what the hell is it that we're all doing here? What's useful in life? What's worthy in life of, 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 uh, of, of our time and energy and, and how can we bring more people along with us on this path of discovery, I guess. So here's what uh, I, I concur with you, Simon. I think you and I in that sense are, are, are kindred, kindred spirits, but here's, here is um, my concern before we dive into uh, a little bit about the, um, your podcast, et cetera, et cetera. Here's one of my concerns. So I just was fortunate to pen a chapter in an anthology, which became a bestseller, Wall Street Journal bestseller and, and uh, USA Today um, best, best uh, selling book. And the premise really is as follows, is that I believe that there are tens of millions of people uh, that are drinking the Kool-Aid that are completely embracing the content, values, and ideas that are imparted by pop culture, primarily through social media in a non-critical way. They're assuming it's gospel. And we have created a generation of zombies that do not think so that the Simon Drews of the world are the exception to the rule. You, you, I think both of us are, but <clears throat> you're thinking about, you know, basic existential things like, why am I here? What's my purpose? How do I actualize my purpose? How can I be the best person? The scary thing is, Simon, I think that there are millions of people that don't even get there. It's just, you know, how can I look as cool as possible? How can I get people to look at me? And how can I have my 15 minutes of fame? And it's a mile wide and a half an inch thick. And it's, and, and that's what my concern is that um, when people like you, uh, me and you in, in different contexts, who are thinking, who hopefully give people tools to live a, you know, a successful and more happy life. My concern is there's millions of listeners out there saying, what are you, what are you guys doing? It's just about making money and having fun. Yeah. Am I the only guy, uh, am I the only guy that has that concern? Certainly not. No, no. I think that, I think that one of the great things about this culture is, is that, Look, we can tell both stories because I see that, right? I see that side of the story, which is there are a lot of people out there who are so stuck in the swamp, you know, yep. that to even imagine that they would stumble across something that would get them to say, maybe this is the wrong way. Uh, but yep. see, everybody who tells you that it's the wrong way, I th you know, this is, what I th this is what I find so great about somebody like Socrates. So he comes along and says, no, we're all walking the wrong way. <laughs> like, 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 like nobody, right. Has the, like, he, he, he comes along and, and, you know, people come along and say, well, you should do this. So you should do that. And he's like, why tell me? And, and what he would discover is that if you question somebody long enough, you realize that, well, both of you realize that you're both fools. Right. And yeah. that goes back to what I was saying before, which is that, you know, I find it very comforting to constantly have that reassurance that, I might also be on the wrong path and I'm likely on the wrong path, but that's okay because the wrong path becomes the right path. As long as we persist in seeking uh, whatever is best. Now on the other side of that, I take a lot of hope in the fact that there are so many people who are seeking 
better answers. There are so many ways that we can share information with people today. Uh, and of course we're all walking through this swamp trying to pick the best information, but, uh, I think that the technology that we have today has given a voice to, uh, and a free voice, uh, to, to so many people who may not have found that public stage before. Um, and so it was just so wild to see somebody like Jordan Peterson, for example, come along and yep. say something that he believed was true. And then just to see the, uh, forgive my language, but the shit storm that yeah, for <laughs> erupted sure. from that, yeah. you know, a war of morality, a, a war of words, a war of culture. Um, and I think my brother actually teaches me a lot about this. You know, he's, he's such a brilliant person. And and one of the things that he always uh, gives me confidence in is he says, you know what, the culture war is happening. And that's a great thing. We need more people in the war talking to each other, you know, even if it gets angry and, and hateful at times, it's like, it's, it's the war of culture. It's always happening and always will. And it should happen like this, you know? I'm just interested in let's stay on Jordan Peterson for a second. What, what was what do you think, um, Simon? What do you think the raw nerve was that, that that he hit that apparently elicited such an animated response? I'm not even gonna try and uh analyze that whole situation, other than to say that, you know, I I tried to pay a lot of attention. Uh, you know, I've watched a lot of his stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've watched a lot of his stuff. And I really tried to pay attention to, you know, here's a person who has spent his entire life uh, seeking answers to deep, deep questions of meaning um, and, uh, and, and of, uh, you know, what is worth seeking in life. And um, he, he draws upon so many different uh, areas of study. And um, it, I think for me, it, it touched a nerve because I, I, you know, I have that kind of religious background. I grew up in, yep. in, in, in Mormonism kind of left the church. Uh, and you know, what happens when you leave the walled garden that you were born into? Well, you find another religion somewhere as you're walking through yeah. the desert, I found stoicism. Right. And then I, I jumped on that and that became my religion for a few years. Mm-hmm. And, and then I realized, Oh, okay, this is what I'm seeking here is some answer to my deepest questions in life. And, and, and so I'm using it as my religion. And, and let me tell you one thing that Jordan Peterson said that just, really set me on a different course. Actually, I'm going to give you two things. Okay. One thing that he said, he said, you should conceptualize the highest possible good that you can conceive of that would be good for you, your family, your community, your country, your world. Yep. And then you should aim at that highest possible good. And then he said, because what have you got to do that's better than that? And when he said that, (laughs) that's literally the day that I decided, okay, I'm quitting my job as a gym manager. You know, if I had have stayed in that job, I have no doubt that I could be working at corporate right now, a gym, um, you know, to, to take from a kind of failing status to build it up and, you know, make it successful again at all these opportunities. But I said, ah, my podcast is suffering. I could be doing better. And there's something that's within me that is seeking to get out that is much more important than what I'm on here. And so that set me on a different path. It, it was the sense of a higher calling or the reason why I'm in this world is not necessarily just to be another guy that made a, made a bit of dough, turned around the gym, uh, you know, I look back at my life and I put a few million bucks in the bank 
you know, I, I, I think that I'm in this world to do something uh, that's more than just uh, collect toys. Yes. Yeah, that, that's, huh? that's certainly part of it. And I think just this question of what is the highest possible good you can conceive of? Yeah. And do you recognize that you're not even close to being genuinely on that path to trying to discover what that could be? You know, yep. because it's, it's horrifying. Of course, it's horrifying to even imagine that you could walk on a path that, that you believe is leading you towards bringing forth the absolute best of the potential that is within you. You know, that's, they say, gird your loins, right? It's like, that's true. <laughs> Prepare because it's not easy to actually try and walk that path. And it, it'll be the hardest thing you ever do. And it'll reveal everything that is wrong about you. Right. Yeah. Um, as I have noticed <laughs> and, and I will continue to notice. Right. But so I'm, uh, that, that question though, right. Have you got anything better to do than that? It's like, you got to think about that for at least yeah. a month. Right. So on that note, I, have a very unique vantage point because I in different capacities have and represent um, a number of very uh, prominent celebrities and professional athletes. And it's scary for me to see that there are millions of people out there that are striving to be like these folks that are put on pedestals. I'm, I know these guys on the pedestal and they're living dysfunctional lives and they, and they, and they desperately unhappy. That's, that's the voice that I try and be to try and tell people one second, this Kool-Aid that you're drinking and this wall that your ladder is leaning against is completely the wrong wall. So instead of ascending up it and realizing you're leaning against the wrong wall, start thinking about it are all the things that I'm listening to that are, that is really brainwashing me. Is this true? Or can I at least critically question, you know, whether these things are true? And you made a good point, Simon, just because a guy uh, can do a somersault off a mountain while telling while, while t taking a selfie with his left sock in his left and and with a cucumber in his ear. Who the heck is that guy to impart wisdom? I need to start watching your Instagram feed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, on, I'm sorry. I, no, you're right. I, yeah. I, it's just it's very frustrating. And and when you stop and speak to some of these folks, and I do, and say, well, based on what do you say that you know, based on what. A lot of them realize they're just parroting, you know, things that have been repeated several times, but it's not them. They haven't internalized it. And it's scary that there's a bunch of automatons function, you know, floating around. Yeah. Yeah. Here, here's the part that, um, that intrigues me is that there's a lot of overlap in, I guess the work that we do, there's a lot of overlap in your, just from what I read, you know, philosophy, you're obviously a thinking guy, you, you know, but we come from, I think one area, uh, which, which I think is different. I, I don't know, but I, I think seems to be different is that I'm an Orthodox Jewish guy. It sounds like you grew up in the Mormon uh, church, sort of navigated into different disciplines where um, you felt there would be, you know, better tools to actualize your potential so one thing for me that I find uh, intriguing is the notion of reaching one's potential and or fulfilling one's life purpose if you take God out of the equation. Hmm. So if God's out of the equation, that's what intrigues me. The, the, then the, the basic existential questions of why am I here, et cetera, et cetera. If at the end of this journey called life, 
we go into a pine comes and boom, it's over. Obviously, I don't believe that, but if that's the case, then you know, doesn't it beg the question of purpose and why we're here? If you take God out, I'm, I'm, I hope I'm, I'm not being facetious. I'm being very candid about no, no. it. It's it's actually very timely that we're talking about this, and it's actually good that we have delayed this interview until now. I'll tell you why. So sure. let me dive back a little bit into something that I heard Jordan Peterson say, the second okay. thing that I wanted to mention, because it's it's important to this conversation. When he was speaking to Jordan, uh, sorry, when he, when Jordan Peterson was speaking to Jordan Peterson, or he was speaking to uh, Joe Rogan, okay. Right. Um, Joe Rogan was like, well, what are you trying to do? What's going on? Yep. And there was a moment there where Peterson kind of said, Oh God, if you have to put it like that, I'm trying to resurrect the dormant logos. Right. Yep. And when I heard him say that I had been, if you, if you look at the canon of interviews that I did last year with my podcast, you know, the whole podcast, I started with just stoicism, but then I started saying, okay, well the stoics, you know, they're talking about this thing called the logos. Yep. And somebody mentions, oh, okay, well, in John if of the Bible, you know, John says that uh, Jesus was the, the, you know, the word, the God was the word and, yep. you know, and, and that was translated from the word logos. And so what does that mean that the Stoics actually influenced early Christianity as well? And there's overlap there. Then I start seeing, okay, well, Seneca talks about God. Mm-hmm. Epictetus talks about God. Yeah, yeah. Marcus Aurelius talks about God. Mm-hmm. Plato talks about God you know, like they're all talking about this, trying to conceptualize what is the highest possible thing that we are a part of. You know, the Stoics talk about their cosmopolitan worldview, meaning you're not a citizen of this country or this place. You're a citizen of the cosmos. Right. Seneca talks beautifully about being at home within this cosmos of which you are a part of, not separate from. Yep. I see that. And, and so, you know, I started going down this path and thinking, okay, he's saying he's trying to resurrect the dormant logos. What the hell is going on here? Right. <laughs> Literally there's there's, and, and then I started to realize maybe I left the church when I was younger, not out of moral courage, mm-hmm. but out of uh, actually um, out of cowardice. I didn't want to walk the path to see the ancient wisdom that was being passed down to me. And, you know, my, my listeners will, will know that there are multiple times where I say, Hey, listen, I'm reading this thing from the Stoics here. It sounds exactly like what they taught me when I was young in church. It sounds exactly, you know, like don't hide your light under a bush, right? Mm-hmm. Find the goods of your own soul. And so I'm walking that exact path right now where I'm trying to figure out well, what is this highest possible good that we're all seeking here. And um, the reason it's actually good that we're talking today is because uh, literally two weeks ago, a muster of divinity, um, which is something that I've been thinking very deeply about for the past uh, year and a half. And um, it's that I'm now trying to rediscover what is that ancient wisdom that I left behind that we are all leaving behind in a way uh, because these various religions in a way, so many of them are turning to stone in a mythological sense. You know, there's no nourishing waters flowing through to keep the people there and keep them feeling connected and at home in this, in this world of which we're a part of. So I'm going on that path right now. So w- would it be true to say, cause it, 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 I think this, I find this a lot of, uh, millennials that I speak to is that the reason why, Lord is a four-letter word, and why religion is not cool um, is the perception that 
it's, you know, it's autocratic, it's disciplined, it's pedagogical, it flies in the face of the creative free souls that they want to be. And who, who's gone to tell me what to do. I think that I, I see a lot of that. And there's clearly a anti-God campaign in America. There's a, a very clear campaign to secularize America. So when I speak to folks like you, and I, I actually have a, a number of buddies who are, um, Mormons at different levels. Some are very committed. Some are not. I just spoke as I was the keynote speaker at a uh, primarily for Mormons, um, Salt Lake City guys, and and the the folks that I spoke to that seem to have sort of turned their back on the way they grew up. They seem to be one of two categories. One group of people felt had a problem with a with an authoritative figure telling them what to do. And I think that's part of the whole millennial culture is a little bit of a rebellious sign. The second and there's a whole second group is, let me figure this out myself, just because my folks did this and because they, you know, let me think for myself kind of thing. And I, and I, um, what I found just that my experience is that it, it seems for a lot of these folks that at least I've spoken to at some point, it comes full circle, you know, that they sort of come back in, in one shape or another and uh, sort of they come to the conclusion, let me not let the baby out of the bathwater. There's, there's a lot of good there. There's a lot of redeeming qualities. Um, but let me make it, let me you know, make it my own. I have to create ownership over this as opposed to be shoving it down my, th my throat. So I don't know if that resonates with you. Are you talking about sort of like a prodigal son narrative? Like, <laughs> you know, you, yeah. you leave, but all, in the end you end up coming back to what it was that you left. It's, it's guys that, that, and I don't know how you grew up, um, Simon, but the guys that grew up uh, from more conservative religious homes and drift away for whatever reason, mm. um, later on in life, and I don't know if it's because it's a different stage, they get married, they, they seem to reach back out and start in, uh, and reach back out and start integrating parts of the way they grew up um, with, I guess, the person that they morphed into. I don't know, I don't know if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, no, no I, I, I think it does. Um, and, you know, I think... On this matter, I, I try, I try to tell both sides of the story, right? It's like, of course there are, there's, there's reasons to leave a religion, right? <laughs> like there's, and, and if you think that there's not, then you're not, you're not giving the devil his due, right? Like there's, there's <laughs> reasons why people are getting the hell out. It's because, yep. I mean, you look and it's, it's not exactly clear, I think, to a lot of people that having a religious background or having a religious um, uh, practice uh, makes you any more, any more wise, any more uh, uh, at home in the world, any more connected to people. Uh, and I think that's because, you know, in, in many ways you look at, I mean, look, all you have to do is point to the Catholic church and the, and the pedophilia, right. um, you know, or point to any number of the, the wild radical, uh, religious dogma that we see sure. perpetrated in, into our culture today. But on the other side, people have to ask, um, like what the hell makes you think that you're not leaving behind when you leave your religions? What the hell makes you think that you're not leaving the most important information yep. that humanity has ever figured out when you leave that. And so you have to tell both stories. It's like, and, and also if you think that there are more hateful, deceitful, uh, you know, 
advantage taking people in religions than there are outside of religion. I, I don't, I don't think that's the case either. Right. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that as soon as you leave your religion of your birth, you're all of a sudden Nirvana. in some garden of paradise, Nirvana. you know, where everybody's just, but so, so I try to think, you know, it's like, you know, these systems, one thing I've been thinking about, let me tell you this. It's so interesting how these, these, complex systems uh, of religion have built within them these mechanisms by which they can rejuvenate themselves. Mm -hmm. When, when, you know, when we're moving through time, there's always going to be changes. We're always going to be wrong in some way. We all fall short of the glory of God, you might say in that language. And so there's these mechanisms that rejuvenate. It's kind of like the resurrection of the logos, you might think. Mm -hmm. And I'm interested in what's happening in our culture at the moment, because we, I think that so many people are interested in these questions of, um, you know, now that, now that the internet's here and we can see, we can see Buddhism and we can see Islam, we can see Christianity, we can see Taoism, we can see all these different religions and they've all got wisdom that flows through them. What, what's right. I think people are interested in the question, right? but we all need to tell both sides of the story. Sure. Yeah. These, these religions, they're not necessarily always giving us the best example, but they might be the key to some of the most important information that we've ever discovered. So hundred you know. percent, I, I explain it another way. And that is, which I think it's the same thing. It's, it's the, the other side of the same coin. And that is, that there's always going to be bad apples. Yeah. There's no question uh, that at least where I come from, I, I would posit it as follows. I would say that, you know, the, the, the script is perfect. The actors are not. Yeah. So looking at the premise of stoicism, uh, uh, as I understand it, I see it as a philosophy, not a religion, which hails from ancient Greek and, and, and Rome. And a large part about the philosophy, it's a philosophy of life, is sort of maximizes positive emotions, reduces negative emotions, and, and really helps a person to, you know, to, to, to work on their character. So I, I said to myself, one second, as I was sort of reading and listening more, a large part of the thesis and the underpinning of the philosophy is the way we react to circumstances. And I said, one second, and I'm sure you've heard this many, many times before. I said, this sounds somewhat like the serenity prayer. You know, God uh, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So I thought of the following. As an Orthodox Jew, here's how I would see a following situation. <clears throat> if I was running to the, um, the gate at JFK to get my Delta Airlines trip to Los Angeles, and I missed the flight, that's the circumstances. Now, I can either go scream bloody murder, go nuts, scream at the steward and, and go ballistic, Okay, cause a securities there. Okay, that's one. Two, I could say, I don't understand why this happened, but if the underlying thesis premise of, in my case, Judaism is that everything happens for the good, I've got to be humble enough uh, to concede that from where I sit, I, I don't really understand, but this must ultimately be for the good. And therefore, 
I have the deference, the humility, and really to, to have serenity and peace and say, you know, it must mean that this wasn't meant and I was meant to get to, uh, to another flight. Now, the reason that I can walk away and have peace of mind and really believe that it's for my good and not have to go to the, you know, the Hudson newsstand and take 15 bottles of Tums uh, and, and, and uh, you know, not get completely wasted is because I honestly believe and have internalized the fact that, um, you know, I believe that the, in my case, the Torah, whatever you want to, you know, the author of the, of the, of the Torah was uh, not a, it was obviously divinely, it's divinely authored instructions for living. And if I'm not going to pick and choose, and if that's the, one of the, the thesis and the premise of my religion, I can, I can have peace. Now, how can a person who doesn't believe in God, doesn't believe in an afterlife, doesn't believe that everything happens for the good and for a reason, how could that person react to the exact same circumstances, JFK misses his flight, if he doesn't have the framework that I just explained? In other words, I, I always think that secular existentialism that posits the non-existence of God. And therefore, what am I holding on to that will help me be at peace with the fact that I just paid 375 bucks for a flight and I missed it. And therefore, I've got to obviously take out my handgun and shoot at least 20 people. Hmm. Yeah, well, obviously we don't have to go that extreme <laughs> with our reactions, <laughs> but um, I hope that we all don't go that extreme <laughs> with our reactions. Yeah, no, I, look, I, I see the point that you're trying to get at. And, you know, I... And, and by the way, like, so I'm just, I'm not trying to impose, I'm not prophetizing, I'm not... I'm no, no, genuinely, I love this conversation. I'm, no, no. I, 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 there's so much... Yeah, I'm listening to our conversation and I'm struggling with this. I am the, the, the reason that I am able to respond to tough, to, to turn um, stumbling blocks into stepping stones. The reason that I'm able to make lemonade out of lemons is I have worked and integrated the, the notion that ultimately things are for the good, that it's, extremely narcissistic for me to understand everything that God does. And therefore, if I've done my best and I've suited up and I've showed up, if there's no concept of a higher being or a sense of accounting uh, after this journey called life, how do you, how do you have the same uh, sort of philosophy? Well, see, that's, I think what you're touching on is not necessarily I don't have answers. I just have more questions. No, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> is what I would say, you know, cause I, I, I'm actually with you, which is exactly why I'm kind of trying to walk this path right now of, of discovering what are, what are we leaving behind in these ancient texts in these holy texts? Right. Um, certainly I, I have a few things I'd say though, you know, when it comes to the philosophy of stoicism, there's, there's a really beautiful framework for allowing people to, sit back into a calm understanding that whatever happens in life will happen. And it's kind of out of your control. Like you say, to imagine that you have some say in what is going to have happen next, or uh, to imagine that, that you could just order your life in such a way that there's never going to be a stumbling block is one of the most egotistical things you could ever, you could ever think. 
And so, you know, I've got tattooed onto my arm here. It says Amor Fati, right? This is the principle that Nietzsche said he lived his entire life by. It's very much influenced by the Stoics. It's Latin for love your fate. Whatever happens to you, love it, give it attention, you know, give it care. You will find the pathway through the desert, uh, wherever you are, if you learn to love whatever it is that is happening and, and not in a, a, you know, affirmation kind of like I'm in a fire and it doesn't hurt. I'm in a fire. It doesn't hurt. Sort of thing. <laughs> but, but recognizing that, you know, whatever happens will happen and has happened and it will always happen in the future and it always ha- has happened in the past. And what I mean by that is uh, you're just a tiny little thing in this enormous cosmos that is happening all around you. Mm-hmm. And as soon as we start to believe that we control it and not it controls us or sure. it guides us, then we, we kind of fall out of the way. And so, here's a, well, sorry, let me just add one thing here. Please, please, go, go ahead. One thing that I started thinking was a more farty, love your fate. Doesn't that sound extremely similar to what they taught me when I was growing up in church? follow God's plan for you or love God's plan for you. It's like, you know, like you see, it's, it's see, that's almost the same thing that we're saying. It's, it's funny. You things say that. are just happening. Fall into it. Sit in your seat in the theater of life. You know, it's very interesting. I was going to say the following in everything I've read Nietzsche was an atheist. So if he's saying, love your fate. Okay. And please, I stand corrected, but everything I understand about Nietzsche was that he was ultimately an atheist. So when I say, Simon, I 100% as I sit here today, believe the fact that you and I are on this podcast. And even though we had two false attempts before is a reason for it. I think you even hinted, it could well be that there's certain things that you were working through and the conversation may not have been as robust as it is now. And the reason why I'm at peace with that is that fundamental, I shouldn't use the word fundamental, that axiomatic to the, the life that I lead uh, is uh, that there's a benevolent, altruistic, loving God. Okay. Not an old wise man at the end of a cloud waiting, to, you know, waiting with a, with a, with a whip wanting to whack me, who cares about me, who's given me all the tools that I need to fulfill my unique life mission. And because he loves me more than I can even fathom will direct me in this life maze to where the unique cheese is that I need to reach. And that's why I can be at peace when I miss the Delta Airlines. And that's why I can be at peace when my friend Simon Drew, it shows up and the tick and the microphone doesn't work and then shows up again. And I messed up the time because I'm falling back on that. Again, I'm, it, it, it's, I'm repeating, I think the question I said before, assuming that Nietzsche is a, an atheist or certainly a positive secular existentialism. What's he based in love your fate I would freak out of my mind to think that this is all random. How can I be at mm. peace to think that I'm just a, a cog in a, you know, I'm just a, it's a bunch of electrons and neutrons bumping into each other. Yeah. Well, I'm certainly not going to try and um, break down the entire stoic pathway <laughs> to, um, uh, to enlightenment in the God of stoicism at the moment, but I will say a few things, you know, um, and see, see what I don't want to do is, 
defend the dogma to which I'm currently assigned. Right. Because uh, yeah. as I said, I have more questions than answers no, in this situation. That. Right. And, uh, and I think that it's very interesting how much stoicism feeds into early Christianity. Say, you know, St. Paul spent so much time in Rome around the Stoics, right. around the Epicureans. He's talking to all these philosophers, the Platonists. And so there's overlap there. Right. For sure. But here's, here's, here's the overlap that I see. Um, or here's the, here's the pathway that I have experienced through Stoicism. Stoics have a kind of pantheistic view mm -hmm. of the world, right? They yep. find well, the, the ancient Stoics, at least there's a big debate going on today um, uh, over modern Stoicism and whether that uh, has room for a God. But, um, you know, the, the idea is essentially, look, we find divinity everywhere. You know, every single thing that you see, experience, you feel there's, there is this thing called the logos flowing through it right. that binds it all together. I think of it as the force from star Wars, right? It's like right. the thing that binds everything together. The, yeah. And in a way I have experienced stoicism almost, almost as a path to be able to see that logos. They call it universal reason, right? Yep. Yep. Universal reason being we're in this great big cosmos here and there's an order to it. Look around. There's, there's clearly an order to this cosmos, right? This cannot possibly, yeah, can't be random. It, 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 exactly. It's, it, but, but, but see, there is a little bit of randomness in that they, they talk about this thing called fate. It's like in yeah. the, at the end of the day, what we're all a part of here, we've been dropped into the wake of this thing that is constantly moving through and churning through space and time called fate. It's like, everything is, is just happening constantly. And you don't necessarily have a say in that. And we don't really know whether the thing that is ordering all of this is, as I said, ordering it or whether it is just all, all chance, but, but, but does that necessarily matter when we can find our way into a connection with and a view of the logos that flows through everything? Meaning, let me tell you, one of my favorite one of my favorite quotes from Seneca, and I, this is really something that um, tipped me off to, to what I think his path is to uh, connection with everything. He's, he talked about how, you know, he's standing there on the island of Corsica, I believe, and he'd been exiled, right? So he's on this island away from his country and he's writing a letter to, uh, I believe it was his mother, but I'm, I'm not 100% sure on that. And he starts saying, you know, as long as I can look up to the stars and track their movements, you know, as, as, as long as I can view this grand cosmos, essentially he says, what does it matter which ground I stand on, whether I'm here or there, you know, I always have that connection to the whole. Right. And that to me, so what, what he's trying to do is he's trying to see it, just how at home he can feel within this great big cosmos. And so they had a very naturalistic way of viewing it. You know, we're in this thing called nature. And I like to put it like this, Alan Watts, he said, we, we often think we were put into this world. No, we came out of this world. That's the way that I think that the Stoics also viewed it in that we're a part of this thing. We're made of the same thing as everything else, which means that we have that spark within us that connects us to everything else, mm -hmm. you know? And so I'm probably doing a terrible job of breaking it all down here, but um, no, 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 certainly I, I, that idea of the logos is such a key. Sure. Let me, let me, let me pivot uh, uh, for a, a moment and do the following. Let's take this down a few notches um, to practical. And I'm very intrigued by this because I was speaking to 
um, the folks that uh, that actually produce this show do pretty granular uh, demographic research as to who's listening and who. Do you have a sense, Simon? Um, you know the sort of the age cohort or the, or the folks that are tuning into your podcast. Do you have a sense of of, of who they are? Hmm. And um, here's why I ask that because I don't. I always go, start an episode thinking what's the, the the most important lesson that I want to come out of this? I really think that it's a mistake for a podcast host to get it and just wing it without a sense of, because I, I take my listeners quite seriously. And here's my, my goal here is not to have an arm wrestling competition with Simon Drew and to see, you know, who's going to out intellectualize the other guy in terms of which philosophy, but is at the end of the day is that uh, people should be thinking uh, that we're not, you know, the notion that uh, the person who wins the rat race is still a rat. Um, you know, the, we obviously here to try and make ourselves into the best person that we can be. And at the end of the day, it's going to take a bit of soul searching. It's going to take some thinking and not just sitting there and assuming that because someone's got 27 million followers, that they've got a clue what they're talking about. This is what's important to me about this dialogue. Simon. He said, you're a thinking person. I hope that I ha you don't feel like I'm putting on the witness stand. It's just, it's a, it's a discussion. You haven't claimed to have a lot of answers, but the fact that you're asking these questions and the fact that you're a thinking guy puts you in the, the top tiny percent of, uh, of the next generation. And, and it's very scary to me that there's tons of people that say, I don't care. I just, you know, the, the, the hedonistic, narcissistic, definitely in Everything I see and experience is the road uh, to disaster and self-destruction. Mm. That you know, that's why I wanted to get a sense from you know who's listening. Because if if you have sort of a, a a younger audience, I think it's unbelievable that you you've got people at least. It's not so much the answers, but at least getting people to start thinking critically and asking the questions. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I can only speak to the kinds of people I've worked with in my coaching practice and, and also yeah. the kinds of people who I see, um, I guess, uh, joining my Patreon feed and things like that. And I, I think that usually it's from about 20 upwards, but it's very mm -hmm. strange. You know, I've got, um, I've got an audience across the board in terms of uh, men and women, probably more like I'd say 70 to 80% men, you know, 30 okay. to 20 or 20 to 30% women. I find all age groups, you yep. know, um, I've dealt with people who are past retirement. I've dealt with people mm. who are, you know, 18, 19, 20, you know, just going into university, stuff like that. And, and I guess I haven't necessarily always paid that close attention to it. You know, people are here. Great. Yeah. Um, and, but, but I guess the point that you're getting across is, let's try and see who are the people who are paying attention to, yeah. uh, I guess the people who are seeking and who are the people who are, um, I don't, I don't want to say lost, but it's coming to my mind. Um, I have no problem the wrong saying way of putting it. Yeah. Th that one of the goals that I have is to try and pour cold water on this, on the new generation and say, think about this because, uh, mm. You don't want to be another statistic. The highest rate of teenage suicides, the highest amount of prescription drugs in uh, depression and anxiety. Something's not working, guys. Yeah. You know, I think somebody who does a lot of really good, 
uh, writing on this subject is Stephen Jenkinson. He's somebody who I've had on my podcast okay. uh, and, and uh, he's, he's a wonderful writer. And uh, I mean, honestly, he's, he's the kind of person who um, teaches me that the kind of prophetic voice has not left humanity yet. You know, he's yeah. very, very, very wise. And something he talks a lot about is elderhood, you know, this yeah. need to, for younger people to connect with older people and have Love that it. dialogue between them. But you have to, like, like I keep on saying, you have to tell both sides of the story, which is that um, at the end of the day, um, <laughs> if the older generation had led us to greener pastures, we would be in greener pastures, but the younger people have a responsibility to seek wisdom from those yeah. elders who have wisdom and who are willing to share it. Uh, and they also have the responsibility to figure out how they can fix the culture where it is broken, but, but not in a resentful, not in sure. a angry, hateful way, in a way of let's nurture what is ours to nurture yeah. and let's be guided by those people who are wiser than us. And it's funny because I think I sit somewhere in between where I'm kind right. of, I'm being a mentor on one hand, but on the other hand, I'm being mentored by so many great people yeah. who are so much wiser and older than me. You see, um, a, guy, a guy like you, you strike me as you have the humility to say, um, I don't have all the answers. I've got a bunch of things to learn. I, I find it so refreshing as opposed to a person who's, you know, uh, claiming to be a guru and, you know, I figured this whole thing out. Mm. Well, you know, I, th I think something that really changed me um, is the philosopher Heraclitus. I don't know if you ever dived into his stuff. He's, he's only got a very small book. Um, he's got a book. <laughs> um, what he, he, he was 500 years before Christ, right? So he's, yeah. he's an old, old philosopher, mystic poet, sure. just a beautiful person. And his writings, um, he says something, he says the known way is an impasse, you know, which is true. As soon as you start to think, I yeah. know this, a part of your soul dies. It's like, there's mm -hmm. no rejuvenation there. There's no right. possibility of change. There's no possibility of seeing anything other than what you currently see, but that's just not how reality works. Right. When you, when you're willing on every single level to expand your mind, expand your consciousness, your awareness, it's like when you can fully be aware of, of that ability within yourself, then you stop saying, I know so much. You yep. start saying, uh, what the hell's going on? <laughs> and, and that's, that's a death in itself, right? It's a, it's a yeah. death of your former self, sure. the part of you that thought that you knew anything. And now you have to sit back into that, that place of unknowing. And yep. that's where all the fun happens. Yep. That's where all the fun happens, you know? So here's what I want to know, uh, just in, in uh, respectful of your time, is two things. Firstly, I want to, after we finish the show, ask you to stay on for a minute because I want to chat with you sure. about something. And by the way, I've got time, so don't feel as though, yeah, I'm loving this. So Okay, no, this is outst outstanding. I just, um, here's a question I ask all, all uh, every one of my guests because it's very telling about you and in the um, market research that we've done from the listeners, this seems to be a question that, uh, you know, they all the folks want me to ask to every guest and that's, and that's as, uh, as follows. So there you are at your 97th birthday, huge chocolate cake comes out 97 candles. You've got your significant other to your left. You've got your close uh, family members, mentors, um, closest, closest, dearest uh, friends. The, the boom microphone goes around and uh, what do you want them to be saying about you? Hmm. 
firstly, it's going to be a carrot cake. <laughs> um, what do I want them to be saying about me? Because um, that's your legacy right there. Mm, mm. Uh, oh, that, that, that's a tough one. I guess uh, that, that he, he sought after deep answers to deep questions mm-hmm. and perhaps maybe he found an answer to one. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> At least. Yeah. Um, but, but it's tough, you know, time will, time will tell, time will tell, you know, uh, what, what it is, you know, people often ask me, for example, like, do you call yourself a stoic or do you call yourself a And my answer is always just, we'll see in the final analysis, we'll <laughs> see. And, and I don't, I don't necessarily know what I would like people to say about me. Uh, but, uh, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know if I really have a significant answer to that. I'm no, sorry. But I, 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 no, 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 it's cool. I think here's he, he the the um, the listeners of the show, and I think the premise of why I started the show, the reason why I have a lot of respect for what you're about is the following. Number one, you come across as very authentic and sincere, and not uh, a know-it-all, and not you know pretending to be. You know, I've, I've wrapped this whole thing up. I've got this whole thing figured out. And number two. I keep coming back to the point is that I think what you're doing is encouraging people to ask critical questions and encouraging people to dig deep and, you know, figure out that we're not here forever. It's trying to figure out how we can use our sojourn on this planet in the most productive way. How do we actualize our potential and how do we, you know, achieve our unique purpose in this world and in a culture, which, by definition has created has dumbed down the entire world has created a huge consumer culture. Um, I think it's, I think that it's the work that you do. If nothing other than, and it's more than this, but it's just nothing other than um, causing people to use the other hemisphere of their brain, stop being zombies, stop drinking the Kool-Aid. I think that's in my opinion, uh, one of the reasons why you resonate with with a lot of folks, you're not claiming to know the answers, but I think that they're at least causing people to stop, reflect, and think because we're not here forever, and uh, it's very important, you know, to to broach some of these existential things that might not be sexy, they might not get you likes, and then you don't get a free T-shirt, but at the end of the day, are probably some of the most important questions, uh, you know, that we can all broach. Yeah. Certainly, certainly a worthy path to go on. And if, if, look, if I can, if I can give you a, I'll give you a solid answer, right. To your sure. question, sure. because I think it deserves it. Okay. So here's my answer to, and I think that this is something that we could all seek, yep. which is why it'll be my answer. Um, <laughs> okay. I think if we could all aim at our, our final birthday, people saying of us, my life was better or was enhanced by the presence of this person who we're now celebrating. I think that that would be something that we would all aim at. And is, is, I don't know if there's any bad in that. So that's what I'd say. Okay. So I, I would say the following and, uh, uh, and my pointing shot only because I've, I've got a unfortunate hot stop because I, I can see we, we could go on for a few days. And that is, I think that the world will definitely be a better place uh, by virtue of Simon Drew having sojourned here, because I think that, um, you're opening up people's minds. Um, you're causing people uh, to at least you know stop and smell a coffee, and that's completely a different ethos and a different 
it's certainly a different message to what pop culture is telling the world. The world is just keep on dancing keep, and, it's, and it's dangerous because what I found with a ton of people um, is that they find after, you know, there's X amount of time that you can, that you can have, you know, T-bone steak, there's X amount of clubs that you can go to. There's a, it gets old and then you've got to start figuring out one second, you know, what's it all about. And I think that if nothing yeah. else than asking the questions, I think that um, even on a subliminal level, I think that you have a terrific impact and you should keep up the great work. And I, and, I, and I wish you continued success, my friend. Well, you know, I'd, I'd love to continue the conversation, you know, whenever we can, Anthony, because this has just been so much fun. And I, I agree, you know, now that we've had this conversation, <laughs> I can see that we are kindred souls. And yep. um, I do, I just want to mention before I go as sure. well, uh, just because by the time this comes out, people might be saying, where the hell is the practical stoic podcast? Uh -huh. um, yeah, yeah. Please, please it, give a shout out in, in terms of the well, URL. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's the, the reason I say this is because it's actually going to be changing to the walled garden podcast, okay, which cool. takes into account more of what I'm, I'm now currently trying to, uh, trying to, um, discover, which is, uh, questions of mythology and religion and God yep. and philosophy and theology and all these things, bringing them together sure. in the walled garden. Um, and so, like uh, that's what they might find soon. Um, and I'm going to be knocking on your door very soon again, because, uh, my, my very first book is coming out soon. And, and I think that people will be interested if they've been interested in what I've been saying today, then <laughs> this will be a, a very for strange sure. experience for them as well. So, um, uh, I hope we get to talk again no, soon. For sure. I, know I want to have you on my show and, uh, sure, and we'll, we'll work this out very soon. Thanks Simon. Cheers. You'll we'll stay on after we go, uh, go off, uh, live. And, uh, again, my, my regards to many of my friends in Australia. And we will uh, definitely speak soon. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers.